Good morning, everyone. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Oh, so great to see you. I hope you're warm enough. I hope you don't mind that I'm keeping my coat on. Maybe later on I'll take it off and you can see my sweater, but right now I think I'm going to keep my coat on. I did bring my boots and my sandals also, but I settled on my sneakers, so don't look too closely at my feet. Um, I'm glad to see you. It's been a while, and uh, it's so great that we can be here. Um, this Today is, um, as many of you know, it's Pastor Ron's last Sunday, and uh, he's going to be talking about looking forward. And... Well, I'm not going to give away his sermon, obviously. Um, but anyway, the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River and they took rocks out of the river and piled them up as a reminder for how God had led them. So I hope you brought your rocks today. If you didn't, um, you can like walk around and find some while we're singing maybe or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we're going to raise our own Ebenezer as a reminder for how God has led us in the past and will continue to lead us in the future. After the service, there will be time for gathering to say our farewells to Pastor Ron and Deb. Um, over in the canteen, there will be coffee and uh, cake. Let them eat cake. So... Uh, that will be a wonderful thing. If you want to get coffee now, I think there might even be some ready. So if you need to warm up, you can go get it right now even if you want to. So make sure that you stay for coffee and cake afterwards as well. Let's quiet our hearts now in a time of preparation for prayer and for worship. God of the universe, Hear our prayer this day as we gather together in this place. Send your spirit to prompt our prayers. May our voices join the voices of those scattered far from here so that in all that we are and wherever we might be, we may join with the saints throughout the ages in serving and praising your holy name. Amen. Let's rise now in body or in spirit. And move a little to keep yourself warm. And let's join in our call to worship. The words are on the screen here. Hopefully you can see that. Otherwise, they are printed in your bulletins. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. There is no end to his greatness. One generation shall praise your works to another. And shall declare your power. All your works praise you, Lord. And your faithful servants bless you. They make known the glory of your kingdom. And speak of your power. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord.
As a church, God is holy, we are not. That's the plain and simple truth of it all, right? So let's take some time now to become right before God by offering our confession. Almighty God, so many of King David's Psalms show a heart out of tune, sighing, crying and breaking the sorrow, yet still clinging to faith in you. So too, O oh Lord, are our hearts. In Jesus Christ, you have given us what we need most. His cross makes our forgiveness possible, and his spirit tunes our hearts again to sing your praises. So humbly, we beg your pardon for our sins. Eagerly, we plead your help to enthrone in our hearts, David's Son, Christ Jesus, King of the universe, our Savior and Lord. And with King David, we declare our trust in your unfailing love. Amen. Let's take some time of silent confession.
Our words of assurance come from Psalm 103. And I'd, instead of me saying them just to you, I'd like us to say them responsively. So they're in your bulletin, they're also on the screen. Let's say these words to each other as a reminder for how we are one together as a body in Christ and how God has forgiven us by his gracious work on the cross. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and in its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his command covenant and remember to do his commandments. This is good news. Thanks be to God. Let's rise again in body or spirit and sing of God's faithfulness and how his grace is enough to cover our sins.
of Christ be with you all. Let's pass this peace to those around us. For those who don't know me, I'm Emily Fortnight. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and it's my privilege to lead us this morning in the congregational prayer. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, on this beautiful autumn day, we just thank you for bringing us together to worship you. We marvel at the beauty of this place that you have created, the towering trees around the lake, the way the leaves are just beginning to change, how the sun is warming us on a cold day. You are an amazing God. Dear God, we think of those who aren't here this morning because of illness or social distancing or any other reason. Dear God, we ask that you would be with them in a special way this morning. Help them to feel a part of the body despite the physical distance. We pray for the healing for those who struggle with physical ailments. We pray for comfort for those who are mourning. Dear God, we thank you for Ron and his leadership and work in the last 18 months. We ask that you would bless him and Deb as they move on to new ministries. Give them guidance as they figure out what they're going to do. Dear God, we are so happy to hear the news that Matthew Burns has accepted the call as our next senior pastor. Please be with Matthew and Diana as they begin the difficult process of packing up belongings and saying goodbye to their current church and lives and then starting life here in Whitensville. We thank you for your faithfulness to our congregation throughout the generations. We look forward to seeing what you, how you will work through us in the coming years. Help us to continue to seek your will and your kingdom. Dear God, we lift up our nation to you. We have seen so much destruction with hurricanes hitting the Gulf Coast and wildfires in the West. Be with those who have seen their homes and livelihoods destroyed. Dear God, please comfort them, bring them hope. We pray for peace and unity in this intense election season. We ask that you be with our leaders and help them to make decisions that glorify you and your kingdom, not just themselves and their party. We help, we help us to seek you. Help us to put our trust in, not to put our trust in earthly leaders or policies or political parties, but to acknowledge you as our hope in our lives. Help us despair even when things seem bleak. Calm our hearts and help us to remember that you are in control. Our world belongs to you. And now as we listen to your word, help us to open our hearts and to hear it and to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Joshua 3, 1 through 17. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, 
You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivitites, the Perizzites, and the Gergashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is a dead sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stepped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, I think it's green. Okay, there we go. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, just thinking while we were singing, when Deb and I first arrived here a year and a half ago, you guys gave us a really warm welcome. And uh, it's ironic that this morning we're having a very cool send-off. Um, <laughs> my mom will inevitably call this afternoon and we'll talk with her and... and tell her like yeah we had this really cool service this morning well tell me about it well it was about 34 <laughs> so anyway seriously it's really good to be here um thank you so much for coming out too like part of what you see in the bible is 
worship was God's people noticing something together. And what I feel like we're doing here is this morning, all of us, or, or those who are going to be watching remotely in one way or another, are noticing something that God has been doing among us together. And, uh, and that's rich. So thank you for being part of, of this. Um, I'm also thinking, I always did better in classes where they could give you enough time to make sure you got your work done. And uh, I don't know if I finished what I was supposed to, but nonetheless, the extra time I think was helpful for me. Um, one thing we've talked about often during this past year is the theme of stories, like our stories, God's stories for us. And uh, we've talked often about how our stories define us. It's the, the, we don't make our stories, our stories make us, is what we've stumbled back to again and again. And uh, those stories tell us who we are, how we got here, stories of uh, a bunch of dairy cows that died and, and needed a better, a better breed of dairy car, cows with a better breed of dairy farmers, which resulted in the first, the Frisians coming to Whitensville, right? Okay, I can see emphatic nods, so apparently I stumbled right across the truth. Um, another preacher trick. Um, but uh, anyway, so our stories define who we are. This, this, these events tell us, tell anyone who's listening, they tell us who we are and how we got here. Um, for you guys, as Pleasant Street Church, you're approaching another turning event in your story. And I'm going to have to learn how to say you guys because... <laughs> I thought it had the rock in the right place. But... I'm going to just start with page four and then we'll work back from there. <laughs> Um, it'll add a level of, of uncertainty to it all. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> um, okay, so where were we? Good morning. Um, we're beyond that, okay. Um, Becky, who's in charge of well, she told me the sermon had to be less than an hour and a half, so... Um, okay. Um, you as a congregation are also approaching a turning point in your story. Um, the, the partnership that you and I, or you and Deb and me, have had for a year and a half now, um, ever since we first came to Hotel California, um, that's, that's done this week sometime. And we're going to be loading up a U-Haul truck and heading west and uh, probably to settle in one of several churches in West Michigan. But we can tell you more about that some other time. Um, that's, that's part of a, the change coming. Um, you have another pastor coming to you, a guy named Matthew, who uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know over the summer, both in terms of who he is and enjoying him as a person, but, but also especially what I think God 
has equipped him for for Pleasant Street Church. Like I think that that's a really good indication of what God might be up to. Um, but we'll let God show you that. Um, but this is all about your story, and not your story because you're making it up. It's your story because you're following it based on the one who did make it up long, long ago, before the, the foundations of the earth. That story. Um, and so there you are. Here you are, standing right on the edge of, you can, you can feel the ground rumbling with the power of this thing that only God could have done. And so you, you're standing there, you, you're, you're frightened maybe, deeply committed to following God. This is, this is who you are. This is where you go. What else could you possibly do? Who else could you possibly follow? And so it's, it's, you've never really questioned it, even though you've not always had warm, sunny feelings about it. Um, but there's something satisfying about having a tradition that marks who you are. And even if it's not easy or convenient, that tradition Thank you, Becky. Um, that tradition helps you remember who it is and what it is that's made you. Well, now you've reached a point where the stakes seem to keep notching higher. Um, like you've never been this way, you've never done this, and these are new, new circumstances in which you'll be doing the same things. And so what does that mean and what will that look like? And uh, changes in your life and in God's world have brought you to the edge of something you've never crossed before. And, and how exactly does a people like you respond to that kind of situation? Um, in theory, You've always believed in God. You've, you've stuck to him like, like glue, in theory. But now you're following him in reality, in a different kind of reality. And uh, you can't really bail out of this, not without forsaking who you, who you are. But you're not, frankly, you're not sure what the path looks like moving forward. That was Israel in Joshua chapter 2, heading into Joshua chapter 3. Um, they'd never crossed any of that territory. They were no longer slaves, thank God. They were no longer captives. They had an identity as God's people, but it was a kind of a strange identity because they were, they were nomads, Bedouins, which is hardly something you want to list on, um, on, on your resume. But uh, there they were. That's who they were. That's who we were. And uh, God says, okay, come this way and cross the Jordan River. And that's the, the account that um, Sue just read for us earlier. Um, verse 5 says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So the people broke camp. I'm jumping ahead to various places. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water, the water stopped flowing. What, what I want to tell you about a, a background note with this is um, I had always pictured... Okay. Um, 
I had always pictured this story from, from Joshua having to do with Plumber's Landing. Um, speak, Lord. Um, it's funny to do this with a preacher with ADD. Um, okay, I always pictured this being like a creek you're crossing. And, and even like, like Plumber's Landing, it was one that I realized I was kind of picturing this week. Um, I could walk through that without a lot of difficulty. I mean, I'm, I ain't scared. Um, and so you could do that. But then I started doing a little bit of research some time ago. Do you know that the Jordan River at flood stage is a category four rapids? If you go on YouTube, you can find clips from whitewater rafting companies who charter their boats out with guides to go through stretches of the Jordan River. This is a serious, and you look at those, watch those videos, you hear the rumbling of that even on your laptop speakers, and you realize there's no way that I would let my kids play along that creek. They could get killed. Um, for a long time, we lived in Northern California where there are a lot of whitewater rafting rivers. Um, it was really scary to hear on the news when somebody went missing and how far down, how many miles downstream they would find the kid's body. So all that to say is, this is a scary thing. And, uh, and so there they are. And, uh, okay, here we go. You probably didn't even notice that. Um, so God led them through that problem. Now, why would God do that? Is God watching, looking down from heaven, thinking, oh, I forgot about flood stage. That's right. That came, that happened last year at this time too, didn't it? Um, this was not an, an oversight or an afterthought on God's part. This was God leading them through a certain situation for reasons which at the time made no sense whatsoever. Why would God want that? But apparently God wanted that. Um, but if you look at it from the point of view of the Israelites, they were, they were Bedouin. They were, they were nomads living in the desert. They had never ever seen that much water. And they had never ever heard that much water. You know, the, the only other prior precedent for that were, were their parents or grandparents crossing the Red Sea, but none of those people were still alive. So the noise that you have when you stand by a, a, a category four rapids in, in, in a mountain river and you realize it's 35 degree water. The noise that you hear is the sound that those people had never ever heard. All they had heard was God's voice saying, come follow me. The, for, the, for the place that I will show you is holy. Okay. So I can picture their stomachs dropping as they realize, where are we pointing? 
Where is God taking us? What is the what is the idea behind this? Okay. Um, why does God make this so difficult? Why does God make any of our stories so difficult? Why does God call his Israelite children to go through a flood stage river when he could have easily done it a few months earlier or later and they would have gotten their sandals wet but they would have dried as they kept going? Why did God do that? Um, God kind of turning to his angels like, you know, I'm really trying to make life easier for my, my children. I just keep messing up sometimes. I don't think that's what was happening. Um, but there's a reason why God needed them, needed his children to enter his promised land, his, his, his custom home for them. He needed them to enter the promised land panting, gasping, and terrified for reasons that we would never choose. Um, their last steps out of the desert made in terror, their first full breath of Canaanite air, like a gasp of, of deliverance. And uh, there may be any of a number of different reasons, but the most important one for them that day was to realize that our, our connection to God, our, our struggles, our struggles define the kind of connection we have with our God. If... Uh, if we pay attention to our struggles, we can learn an awful lot about God and how we receive His grace. But if we ignore our struggles and we just push through them, ignoring our struggles eventually amounts to ignoring our God. On the other, on the other hand, turning and noticing our struggles leads us to notice new things about our God. And that's what I want to share with you here today. Um, Undoubtedly, Israel would have preferred a story that revealed them as, I don't want to say all-powerful because that sounds like God, but Israel would have, re would have preferred a story that reviewed, revealed them as surprisingly capable, um, brave, level-headed, adventurous people who were deeply committed to their God and followed Him no matter what. And, and in so doing, were, re were rewarded richly for being faithful. That, that, that's what that's what I would want. That's what Pleasant Street would want. And uh, well, the short version of a story like that is, I'm fine. I have all that I need. Just watch me. That is not the story that God had for His children. That's not the story that He had for his children in Israel. That's not the story he's had for me or for you or for Pleasant Street or any other gathering of his people. God doesn't grow his people to wander on autopilot. He grows us to fall in love with him and to thrive because he's thriving in us. And so uh, this, this, this sort of thing define, defines us. Um, and this is something we need to remember. We all have, as individuals, as churches, we have an instinct of what it is that we need, what it is that we can't afford, um, what do we need to protect ourselves, and, and maybe like desert nomads, we need to we need to stay away from rushing waters because we don't know how to deal with that. That would that would undo us. There's no way we could ever handle category two, category three, category four rapids. There's there's just no way. Maybe that's what we feel, what you, 
what you picture. Probably not white water, but maybe something else. Um, what does this church fear? It's not hard work. You built your church building the, the weekend the stock market crashed in 1928, 29. Um, I wasn't alive then. Um, that's pretty gutsy. Um, from what I understand, you, you negotiated your, your mortgage with the bank in town because you realized you had a ton of leverage that nobody was acknowledging. Um, you built that building, and now every time I look out my kitchen window for breakfast, I realize you're building it again. That's courage. That, that's a certain kind of New England, I guess. Um, that's a certain kind of God brought us to this land. God has a purpose for us, and we're not going to back off from whatever it is that God called us here for. Um, that's, uh, that's impressive. And I've come to really love that about you as a church or as a community. <clears throat> and in fact, I've told you a number of times, you are an extended family. And I know a number of you have the same last name or are related to people who have similar last names. But your, the, your extended familyness is not biological. It's the way you think of yourself. And so the way I hear older generations talk about younger generations or vice versa, or people talk about people who they, they miss or who they're concerned about, and there's an extended family thing going on here, which I think is, is maybe natural because you have history together in a way that um, people in California never did. Um, but even more than that, I, I believe that's part of who God made you guys to be. To be an extended family where you have interconnected circles of people who care deeply about the other circles who are interconnected with them in this larger thing that they've all been part of, who find their identity in the middle of that family. There's a thing of beauty with that. I think that's why God foreshadowed a bunch of that in the spoilers through scripture talking about family as a picture of, of his his people um, so what does this church fear I don't think it's hard work I don't think it's a risk um, conflict that might be a top contender for the list of greatest fears at Pleasant Street um, now I understand you've worked through women as elders, women as deacons, um, some of the worship wars. There's, um, we're good. Um, you've worked through a lot of important struggles in the planting of churches or for other churches, and so there are a lot of things that you've worked through in in a way that shows a great amount of trust. Um, but having said that, I've also seen, I've seen you put a lot of work into doing whatever it took to get around certain things that'd be hard to talk about. And, and you and I both know that list isn't done and that a, a tremendous amount of energy has gone into avoiding that stuff on the sidewalk we don't want to step into or don't want to have to pick up. And that's just, that is as much a part of you, I believe, as the, t the tenacious love for people other than us is the, the extended family is part of you. And, and every individual 
has strengths and weaknesses. There are things about me that I think God must really like. And there are things about me that God must still, as he watches me. And uh, by now, you know a number of both of those in, in Ron. Um, and, uh, but the same is true of, kind of, of families or of church families. And so God knows you. God made you. And so the, the things that give him glory, like you being this kind of family, there's joy in that. The things that bring sadness or sorrow, like having the kind of conflict that comes when you're a family, they do also. And, and your greatest way of glorifying God, of serving Him in the coming years, um, starting next fall when your pa next pastor comes, your, your single greatest way of glorifying God is by being that family together. Every family, every couple has to recognize that there are things they're going to have to deal with. And dealing with those things is, is often a central part of being a couple together or being a family. Um, every family has things they're going to have to work through. Um, and working through those things is part of what families do. And, and every extended family knows that to have kids, they're going to bring grandkids. And grandkids are, gonna, are wonderful, but you're going to have, you know, who would have thought that your grandkids or great-grandkids are going to deal with this or this or this? And, and Deb and I are just far enough along that we can imagine all the things we can't imagine about the kids that God will, we trust, give our kids someday. Um, they're all little vans behind the big van. Um, so, uh, you're a family. God made you to be a family. And uh, that means a bunch of different things. So, uh, like Israel, you, all of us, are standing on the edge of something you've never been to before. It's kind of noisy, crazy, it's busy. But some of that noise is whitewater rapids, you get that. Um, there's years of history, years of tradition. Um, you do this because this is just who you are. It's just who you are. That's not gonna work. So on the edge of this, this boundary mark, this river, you're, you're, looking, at, you're looking at a, a place you've never crossed. You're seeing another bank that you've never set foot on. And you're having to figure out, well, what's it going to look like for God to take us through this? Um, so as you look across, what do you wonder? You're looking across a pandemic. Um, who's coming back? once this is all done. When things settle back to normal, will things settle back to normal? And if they do, what will that look like for this church? The South Towers will be in pretty good shape. But, but what about the rest of the church that lines up to the north of those towers? Um, what about the new season in leadership? A new pastor? Um, a lot of good buzzed around him. Um, will Pleasant Street still feel like Pleasant Street with a new pastor? 
Will the leaders of Pleasant Street still lead like Pleasant Street if they're working with a new pastor? I mean, personally, what's this going to mean for you? Will you still like Pleasant Street when this all settles down? Or will Pleasant Street have become something that you don't like as much? Or what about your kids? Will they like it? Or what if Pleasant Street changes in a way so that your grandkids don't like it? the way you wish they would. All these different kinds of uncertainty. And you've always believed in God in, in principle. But in a new way, you're going to have to believe in God and trust in Him in reality. And, and trusting God in reality is always more complicated than trusting Him in principle. And you can't bail out of this, because not without forsaking who you are. This is part of your story. This is Our stories are what make us who we are. But that doesn't mean that you're very confident or very clear on what this path is going to look like, because you're not. I've been here for a year and a half now as a specialized transition minister. Um, that's a, a unique chair to sit in. It's different than being a babysitter. Um, the uh, I'm not a very good babysitter, actually. Um, but. Uh, goes back to the grandkids thing but but it's it's my job to help you find the steps towards that river and to help you step down into that um, it's my job to do stuff that's going to be pretty wet and messy and and if I screw up if I make mistakes some of that wet will be wetter or messier than it needs to be and that's not the point but it is part of the package um, but, uh, but even if I did it perfectly, it's going to be wet and messy. And, and here we are. Here you are with all the moss and, and on the rocks splashed by the river. Um, and if God had chosen to lead you across this river in late winter when the, when the water is a matter of a few inches deep, we could stroll across it. We could take a week to do it, and we'd be all set. But that isn't how God set this up. God set this up so that people like us would be in a place like this under circumstances like what we've experienced. In the middle of all of this, with a building threatening to fall down and a pandemic keeping us at home, in the middle of all of this, he says, come be an extended family for me. And, and we've had to hear his clues and his hints as to what that means, what that looks like. Um, why does God do that? God does that because he knows that our deepest trust in him always lies on the far side of a river like that. Not because this will be fun, kid, you'll like it. Not because it, it fits perfectly with what any of us would have expected. He does that because he knows that his, our deepest connection to him is always found on the other bank of every river like that. And so he calls us to cross those kinds of boundaries. Not because we have to somehow get away from something, but because this is his way of bringing us further closer into him. The upshot of that day in Canaan was a pile of rocks. Um, a pile of rocks on the far side of that river, marking a place where no Israelite had ever carried rocks before. 
um, a big pile of rocks, a big pile of memories. And, and the, the thing with those rocks is that not just like, oh, look, landscaping stones. Um, the thing with those rocks is they marked an experience that God had, they had, God's people had had with him. And the upshot of that is that they could have a trail from the riverbank up the hill to those rocks so that any time they wanted, they could go back and remember. They could walk up and show their kids and walk back down. Or they could, they could trace it from the camp and they, they could build it into their routine where they were, remember when we did this? And, and maybe joke, little jokes come out about it. So-and-so was too little or not strong enough or somebody got lost or whatever. But all those trips up and down the hill brought them to that pile of rocks. And that pile of rocks were significant, not because those stones had such spiritual brilliance, but because they were simple objects that helped them remember what God had done. And because of that, who God had made them to be. And so Israel had a chance to wear a trail into the side of that hill. Um, or not, depending on whether they remembered the rocks or not. Um, over time, that trail forms, or it fades, depending on whether people remember. Um, time will tell. The same thing is true with you. Over time, you will wear a deeper and deeper trail as you go from where you end up down further in the calendar, a deeper and deeper trail from there back to the memories of today or not. And so your story, the story that makes you who you are, will extend or not. Only time will tell. And that's the beauty of a story. Only time tells from generation to generation. Right here, right now, that story is here. Amen. The Israelites took rocks from that river and they were reminded of the rapids that they went through, the difficult times and the good times, and that pile of rocks that they created, I'm sorry, those rocks that they took out of the river, they created and put in a pile to remind them. We've been through good things and we've been through rough things together as a church. And so that's why I asked you to bring a rock today. In the front here are some rocks. And I'm going to invite you to come forward as we sing a song. It's one that you're going to be very familiar with. Come thou fount of every blessing. However, the second verse says, Here we raise our Ebenezer. Hither by your help we've come. What that means is, we're declaring that God has brought us this far and this pile of rocks we're going to remember. So as you come forward and place your rock, I'd like you to keep in mind something of your story that is part of Pleasant Street's story. And as you place the rock, think about that 
pray for God's blessing on that, that it can be something that we use as a church to move forward. There won't be any rhyme or reason for coming up. Just come up as you'd like. Um, Michaela, when you come up, can you bring my rock so that I can put it there too, behind the chair? Worship team, come on up. So we're going to sing this song. And the other thing that I've done too is I've changed the words a little bit. I made them plural. So we're singing this together as a church. Together as the body of Christ.
Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we as your people have shared a lot of experiences expertly crafted by you into our story. Over the past year and a half, we've shared a bunch of those um, in a church that's been a church for well over a century. A year and a half doesn't seem very long. But for you who are eternal, we know that, well, these are just a day with you is like. So, so Lord, we want to come before you. We want to acknowledge our brevity to you. We want to ask that you show us what you have been doing, that the, all the days ordained for us were written in your work, in your book before even one of them came to be. Give us a, a sense of, uh, of humility as we recognize how to, how to count our days wisely and uh, trusting in you for the story that those days slowly assemble. So we pray this in your name. Amen. We will remember.
There's the green. Okay. Um, never mind that. Um, our benediction this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is one of those verses that begins with the word therefore. Therefore is always a big deal. It's a pivot point in scripture. Because of something else, this is true. Because of everything you've been saying, everything you've been seeing, everything you've been praying in the past, the service, because of that, this is true. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Ron, before you step aside, be seated, everybody. Um, Deb, where are you? Oh, there you are. Come on up with Ron. Not sure how much cord I have. Maybe you need to come by me. <laughs> so, on behalf of the staff, I have something that I would like to share with you. Um, it's just a little something. It's actually more just for Ron. I'm sorry. We have something for you yet. Um, but Ron, you're going to have to just take this out of the bag. And we know how much you love analogies. Well, that's not the big thing, the book. Take it out. And what that is, I need to share with all of you what this is. And hopefully, Ron, you'll get a kick out of it. I think you're getting it now. So. The Miller Analogies Test is a test that you take when you are going to get ready for grad school. Now, Ron has already done his higher education, so he's not going to be taking the Miller Analogies Test. However, because Ron loves analogies so much, I thought that this might be just a fun activity for you to use these questions in this Miller, in this test booklet to actually enjoy reading all those analogies that are in there and working through them and figuring them out. So happy analogizing <laughs> as you do that. So you're welcome. And we pray for God's blessing on you guys as you go. Thank you for everything. Steve? here because I'm talking to you, not so much to them. Wow, this was a lot of people here. That's great. So Ron and Deb. So we just sang a little while ago a song about remembering. So we want to do a little remembering. When you visited our church in February of 2019, as we each considered the possibility of a role here as an STM. Little did you know that you would start out by enjoying not just one, but two sittings 
of the youth group's sweetheart supper. Am I right? Perhaps already then you learned that this church family likes to eat. Upon your arrival in uh, March, Ron, Deb, and Daisy settled into the parsonage, and Ron's work here began in April of 2019. He quickly joined in and began providing guidance to our transition team's efforts, working with the team to evaluate church survey results, moderate a number of dialogue sessions in which we looked backward to learn from our church's history and looked forward toward who we had become, but more importantly, who we wanted to be. He continued by providing guidance and input as the transition team completed our church profile, pastor job description, and began evaluating and interviewing pastor candidates. During this time, Ron also worked with staff and council on planning, job descriptions, and goals, and led and taught our congregation through a variety of sermon series. Ron and Deb were also both regular participants in our various church events, including our then monthly potluck dinners. We hope we can get back to that someday soon. And clearly have enjoyed worshiping alongside us as a church family, and we have enjoyed worshiping with you. At times, they could be seen also motoring around the area in their refurbished VW, despite its efforts to claim one of Ron's fingers during some repair work. <laughs> in the first quarter of 2020, while the transition team, council, and congregation continued to focus in on candidate Matthew Burns, we were all suddenly faced with a COVID-19 pandemic which provided another set of challenges uh, that you, Ron, helped us navigate as we learned to Zoom for hours and hours and hours. Apologies to our other halves for all those hours. Learned to record sermons from your office. Elders learned to record prayers. Worship teams learned to record worship and put it all together just on Facebook. During the spring and summer of 2020, we worked together through how to have church during this pandemic. The delay, but eventual vip of Pastor Matthew Burns, and finally his call and acceptance. Today we remember and thank you for your time here, for blessing us along the way, and we pray for God's blessing on you in the next part of your journey. I'd like to ask uh, other members of the executive team, Jack, Brett, and Dave, to come forward now. So we have some gifts for each of you. And then, Becky, I believe we're going to close with a song, The Blessing. So, Deb, we have a, a bouquet for you. <laughs> a monetary gift for Ron. 
that Brett has. And Deb. And Deb. Well, Deb's, Deb's going to determine how that's used anyway. <laughs> and uh, from Jack there, we have, um, you can give it to him, Jack. Oh boy. Keep it short, Jack. <laughs> if I remember anything about you, Becky, is make it two minutes. <laughs> well, like you, Ron, as many of us here have moved at one time in our life, and we know we never have enough boxes or bags to store and pack up as we go on. Therefore, we formed a committee to find this beautiful bag to put your essentials in. It's got a gold handle with pretty stripes and hearts on it. And uh, so we'd like to give you this bag. <laughs> now there's something in it, of course. And you may open it if you wish. You're taking longer than my talk. <laughs> For those of you in the back row, we gave Ron and Deb a remembrance from the congregation of a picture of our church. I would say a bird's eye view, but I shouldn't probably say it's an angelic view of how our church looked and how it will look in the past and in the future. And that you will remember us as you look at that photograph hung up appropriately and prominently in your new office. <laughs> We're going to sing the blessing. While, sing it over. while the executive team surrounds Ron and Deb with hands of blessing, and while we sing, I encourage any of you that feel so moved to please also reach out with a blessing to Ron and Deb. Why don't you rise again in body and spirit?
many moves. <laughs> we always get selfies with people we really love. <laughs> Need you guys to all move. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much for all of this. Let's eat cake.